the DH. I really like Brett Laurie, and I bet I could watch you strike out A-Rod all day. But when you're done doing whatever, when you're through playing whoever, you know that the Nats fans will be right here waiting for you. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to Resting Pitch Face. This is episode two. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. And I'm Sydney. And as always, we can be found on Twitter at twitter.com slash restinpitchface, no G. We can be found on Tumblr at restingpitchfacepodcast.tumblr.com. And you can send, <clears throat> excuse me, you can send your news, feedback, comments, questions to our Gmail account at restingpitchface at gmail.com. New news, um, we are actually now on Twitter or excuse me, on iTunes. So if you would like to download podcasts from iTunes, you can just look us up at Resting Pitch Face. Um, so we're going to, now that we've got that business out of the way, we're going to get started with some news from around baseball. So the Nationals uh, this week picked up a minor league pitcher named Matt Lados, who uh, his numbers are not super great. Um, uh, it's on minor league contract, so we got him from the Chicago White Sox, uh, where he had been for not very long. Um, so I guess most of 2016, uh, having been on one, two, three, like five, four or five teams last year. Um, yeah, his ERA is 4.6, his FIP is 5.55, and he has a whip of 1.45, but he also has a cat named Cat Lados, uh, <laughs> that he made a video of, uh, dancing, um, which we'll link to in the show notes, uh, which is very cute and definitely on brand for us, uh, and please... Ignore or possibly do not ignore the giant gun in the background of the video. So it's adorable cat dancing. Yay. Giant, giant freaking gun in the back of the video. Not so yay. Um, but, you know, uh, it's good to have a cat in the minor league system, I guess. Especially if their name is Cat Latos. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I, I'm pro having pets that are somewhat named uh, for players. Uh, so earlier in the year, they found a uh, cat in the San Jose Sharks uh, rink, so a hockey team, um, and they named it Joe Pawelski because, <laughs> you know, there's Joe Pavelski, so Joe Pawelski. Um, so I don't know. We could, we could have, I don't know, who on the what? Nationals would be most fitting for a cat name. At the, at the end of, I think it was last season, or maybe it was the season before, the Washington Area Humane Society had a live kitten cam, and they named them things like Bryce Harper. <laughs> um, was it Jordan Zimmer Kitty? I can't remember exactly. And then there was, um, was it Steven Straws Pawsberg, I think, was what it was. Here. So Bryce Harper is the obvious and the easiest. Um, but I'm sure there's some more... <laughs> that are right for that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I'm pro any and all pets named named after players. So Bryce Harper and and as you know, proud owners of the Nationals pet calendar, I feel like they're really missing out on an opportunity here. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Um, both Max's dogs are they named after him? Because I know they both have heterochromia too. No, they're named like you know normal dog names. Um, Rocco. I don't... Um. 
Oh god, I know all of their names and I'm blanking on them and you guys can either be proud of me for not knowing all of Max's pet's names or be I, I disappointed think, depending on your perspective. I do know them all, I'm just blanking. I think it's probably for the best that you don't name them all. <laughs> well, the cat's name is Nala. Okay. And one of the dogs is Rocco and I, I'm completely blanking on the other two. There's three of them now, the dogs, and they're all, they all have heterochromia. But no, none of them have have Max related names. They all have fairly normal dog names. I, I feel like we're missing out on like a, a Max Schurz per. See, no. I feel like if you're already getting dogs that share a uh, a genetic quirk with you, maybe <laughs> naming them after yourself is is like taking that one step too far. Or like, or not got... one step too far. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we all know what you would do if you were a professional athlete. <laughs> you would name all your pets after yourself. Yeah. Pets, kids, whatever. <laughs> well, going into like George Foreman territory with it. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you go over to Max Scherzer's house, and his dogs are just Max Scherzer one, Max Scherzer two. <laughs> well, you know, we were having that conversation um, about uh, Bunny Saver Madison Bumgardner. Oh and yeah. He nursed the bunny back to health, and how it should have been immediately named Mad Bun. Yeah, Mad Bun. Opportunity. Yeah, Mad Bun. Um, Oddly, they let the rabbit hit in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet it did just as well as the man who named it. Um, what well, that would, have been, that would have been a pretty tall order for a baby bunny. Bumgarner <laughs> technically made history here. I mean, that was, for those who missed it, the first time a team has declined to use the DH purposely declined to use the DH in an American League ballpark since 1976. The only other time anyone has not used the DH was actually in 2009. The Tampa Bay Rays accidentally forfeited the DH by submitting a lineup card with mistakes on it. And so their pitcher had to hit at one point in 2009, but that wasn't on purpose. So Bumgarner and his double... Yeah. I want to say the third inning that started some kind of crazy rally for the Giants. They scored like six runs in that inning, and it all started because Madison Bumgarner DHing for himself, or actually technically not the DH was just gone. There was some debate about that on Twitter. Was he down as the pitcher and the DH? But no, that's not just how it works. He was just hitting for himself as a pitcher, having declined the DH, and he started this crazy rally they had in that inning, hit a double, came around to score, and... Yet another reason why, if everyone were Madison Bumgarner, which sadly they're not, but um, that the DH is clearly unnecessary because it's way more fun without it. <laughs> Though, I mean, Mad Bum is um, an anomaly among pitchers, and I guess we can get into this later, but like he is head and shoulders, at least among left-handed pitchers, um, much, much better at hitting home runs than, than almost any other pitcher of the la last 20 years. Like, well, it's interesting because at home runs, yes, he's much better, but his overall average is under 200, I noticed when I was looking this up, which surprised me because I feel like all we hear about, and granted I don't watch the Giants regularly, but I do feel like all I ever hear about is how he's such a good hitting pitcher. Well, I think, I mean, I think the thing is you're, you're still not hitting all the time, so every little thing you know, raises your average dramatically or drops your average dramatically when you're only hitting a couple, when you're only having three plate appearances a week, if you're lucky. True. So, um, 
it's it's hard to look at it now and say that well he's definitely hitting a 200 and honestly hitting just below two I, I assume it's like just below 200 not like 120 or something right I think it was like 170 something okay. it's about 82 this season and it's uh he hit I have his uh, baseball reference page up so he hit 247 last season and wow. 258 the season before. He also, his OPS is respectable, yeah. is what I'll say. So, like, when he does hit, he, he hits. Um, so it was uh, 755, 743, and this season a paltry 624, which for a pitcher is gross. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. Is he, you're still comparing him to other... You're not comparing him to an outfielder. You're comparing him to other pitchers, and that's still head and shoulders above. And also, clearly... If he's been hitting in the middle 200s the past couple seasons, that's respectable. I mean, that's better than a fair few starting position players at the end of the season. You know, mm-hmm. so this might just be a momentary drought. Or, but I think, I mean, I think the key there is like, you know, it, it's we, it's all well and good for us to talk about. Okay, well, they had Madison Bumgarner hitting for hitting for himself. And I wonder if that there's a distinction there for stats or something. Why it's important that he's hitting as a pitcher and not hitting as DHing for himself, as it were. Um, but that his first at bat was double. You know, that's what kind of makes the story. Like otherwise, it would just be something kind of silly. Mm-hmm. So just like, oh, fun fact: here's something to impress your friends when you're out. You're like, I know what year it was the last time that happened. But he actually, you know, he put his money where his mouth is, and then he actually paid up. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking up his OPS currently for his team. Uh, he is currently for um, on the Giants, uh, and now this takes into account the forty man uh, ranked nineteenth. That is not bad. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of people below him are uh, pitchers, so yeah. like, like you know, he's nineteenth. But to put it in perspective, Johnny Cueto's twenty fifth. Interesting. Getting Johnny Cueto as a Giant. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, with with a rack and OPS of one four five. Didn't he name his horse after Popeyes, the restaurant? He his horse died apparently. What? Yeah, did he post? He posted some weird pictures about it online. Oh, so sad. Or, or I think he did. Let me let me bring it up. It was on Deadspin. Um, but I think it was. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of of dead horse pictures. Yeah. Uh. Yep. Johnny Cueto remembers his dead horse with photos of his dead horse is in fact the Deadspin headline, and it is <laughs> photos of his dead horse. I am not linking to that in the show notes because it's pictures of a dead horse. Yeah, I was gonna say please don't link to that. Yeah. Don't <laughs> so no, that. They that. can find it on their own. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've told them exactly how. So, but yeah, I don't. I don't need to spend my afternoons looking at pictures of dead animals. Thank you. <laughs> but interesting. Sure. <laughs> we, we've gone from live bunnies to dead horses. Yeah, I think we need to get this back on track with some other um, happy baseball stuff. Um, with It's actually not Major League Baseball news, but Independent League, the Sonoma Stompers, have uh, signed two pitchers to their roster, which under ordinary circumstances would no one would even know or pay attention except you know, dedicated fans of the Sonoma Stompers. But these are two female pitchers, a 17-year-old and I believe 23-year-old? Am I correct on that? Uh, I think she's 25. 25, okay. And um, they're both relievers, I think, 
Well, I know one of them is a reliever. Is the other, and the, is the other one a starter or a reliever? Well, they both seem to play multiple positions. I was looking at that. Yeah. One of them is like a pitcher and an infielder, and the other is a pitcher and an outfielder. You know what? And that's right. They signed her as an infielder. That's what it was. The old. Um, I believe that's the tw the older one. You know what? We sh I should get their names. Let's not just talk about them in the abstract. Yeah. Um, well, okay, and so the reason that people pay attention to the Sonoma Stompers in, in part is because um, uh, the guys from Effectively Wild, uh, who are Sam and Ben, uh, who um, took over the team last summer and then wrote a book about it. Uh, and so if if folks are interested, the book, The Only Rule Is It Has to Work, is, is pretty good. Um, and they had talked about, they even talked about in the book, a uh, possibility of having a female, of hiring female pitchers a couple of times. Um, uh, they also, somewhat inadvertently, because um, they just picked him off a spreadsheet, hired the first active out gay player in professional baseball. Um, so uh, they they sort of had had a team attitude of what I'll say of of going at least for for female players for sure has been in the conversation um, and then just sort of having a more flexible team environment. The other thing that they talk about a lot is not necessarily using starters as starters and relievers as relievers, but best pitchers as best pitchers, depending on the situation. Um, so that also could lead to some ambiguity in what uh, position uh, or what role uh, these women are going to play. Mm -hmm. um, but my, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes in the book is... Uh, them talking about, like, uh, to, to a manager that, spoilers, they then fire later in the season. Um, you know, I bring up, for instance, the idea of having a female pitcher. So that's the, the guy who's writing the chapter. Uh, and the response from the manager is, if there's a solid chick, you ball out, you ball out. I don't care what gender, which mm -hmm. I, I have to say is, is the right attitude. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, their names are Stacy Piagno and uh, Ke Kelsey Whitmore, for the record. Um, Kelsey Whitmore is 17. Stacey Piagno is uh, 25. Kelsey Whitmore's on Twitter, so we can also link to her in the show notes. I don't think yeah. that they both are. I think just she is. But we can link to that if anyone's interested in yes. hearing more directly from her. Yeah, I think that's a, definitely a good thing to make sure that people know and are paying attention to them from their own mouths as well. So... And I think one of the things that people don't know necessarily is that, um, you know, the assumption is a lot of times that women are coming from softball in order to go play professional baseball, but there is women's baseball as well. Um, it's just much harder to find. Um, I mean, because most women who are interested in baseball are kind of shoved into softball whether they want to or not. So it's a yeah. lot more difficult to find and have a place in women's baseball even though it does exist. Yeah, um, but I want to say one of them was super impressive apparently at the Women's World Series, and that's why she got got hired in part. So, um, you know, that is something that that is pretty active on Twitter and Tumblr. Actually, is is uh, National Women's Baseball. Well, we'll definitely make, have to make sure we link to that as well because yeah, we are all pro women, more women in baseball. So absolutely, yes. Hey, if you ball out, you ball out. Well, speaking of ball out, do we want to talk about Jake Arrieta? <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. Um, the I guess it was about a week and a half ago. The this year's body ESPN body issue 
uh, names came out, and we learned that Jake Arrieta will be uh, posing in the body issue, which is coming out either today or sometime this week. Is that right? Um, it's coming out very soon, regardless. And so we've been uh, treated to a couple clips of Jake Arrieta pitching on a mound in a field. Completely. No, he was in the desert. Well, a field in the desert. You know, okay, <laughs> sure. Listen, <laughs> he was on a mound in the desert. And he was butt-ass naked. <laughs> so he was, in fact, balls out. <laughs> hey, I said ball out. This is a family podcast, so... This is an anatomical uh, fact. This is not, you know... <laughs> so, anatomically, one thing that I actually found really, really interesting in those pictures, and this might just be the fact that I never really played any baseball, and so pitching mechanics in a practical sense are a mystery to me. I spent a fair amount of time as a huge anatomy nerd and as a person looking at some of the pictures that have already been released. And one thing that I never really thought about is what that back leg is doing. Sort of at the end of your pitching motion, your back leg is in the air. And I always kind of thought of it as superfluous. Like it's just kind of flying out behind you, whatever. The rest of it is what's important. But looking at his back leg, like every muscle in that leg is activated. And I just found that surprising and really interesting in my not very good understanding of how pitching mechanics work, that really that's not just sort of a wasted motion that I had kind of dismissed. That's really a part of all of it, which I just thought was, was really, really interesting. Is it like acting as like ballast? I, I would say, yeah, it's definitely acting as a counterbalance, if, if nothing else, and I'm sure it's doing several other things. But anybody who's ever, you know, ice skated or danced and, like, or just stood up on one foot, you know, you stick your back leg out there so you can... They're throwing all of their weight forward. The back leg, you push it out like you were um, doing an arabesque, you know, to keep you so you don't fall over, which is why a lot of guys who don't have as dramatic a back kick frequently do sort of, they seem like they're stumbling off the mound at the end of their pitch. Um, I, would, I don't know enough about, again, pitching mechanics to tell you if it's doing anything else, but I'd say it's certainly acting as a counterbalance. Um, I, I kind of go to a, the tail on a T-Rex kind of place. I mean, same general principle. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, remember when they repositioned the T-Rex from being, like, upright with the sad little arms to being like, no, no, that doesn't make any sense. Let's let's kind of tilt that mm -hmm. and make it more, like, horizontal because clearly, like, they're not using the sad little arms for anything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I kind of... I that That's what it looked like to me. So you went to an arabesque, I went to a T-Rex place. So... Okay, sure. Or, um, what's that, what's that critter that walks around and it's bad anyway? Um, no, 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 I, never mind, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's the, the pangolin, that's what oh. I was thinking of, that weird, like, like armadillo-looking thing that walks around its back legs, but it sticks big, long tail out for balance. Same yeah. basic, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's got to be balance at, at the forefront. Um, but you, had, you raise an interesting point about, so, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of the athletes, you know, they're posed. Right when they're doing these 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 new pictures for body, obviously because they have to make sure everything's right. But watching the video of it or seeing some of the stills from certain angles, you actually get a chance to see what the physical mechanics are that you're not usually seeing because they're being hidden by a uniform, you know. And so it's one thing to watch, you know, a batter do it, 
because you kind of understand what the muscle groups are doing when you're batting. But something like pitching, you know, all of that stuff is going on under a very loose jersey. You're not seeing how those muscles are twisting and moving and how what, what the arm is actually doing. Well, and I also I think, think that's really interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, pitching is often just incredibly unintuitive in terms of the mechanics. Like batting, I think you can just sort of, in, you can infer what's happening even though you can't see it. Mm -hmm. But pitching is such an unnatural set of motions, honestly, at least to me, that you really have no idea if you've never done it what muscles are the most involved. And of course it varies from pitcher to pitcher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder how much, like, you know, because obviously we, we can see Jake Arrieta because he's, you know, buck naked in the desert with no shoes on, which he said was the weirdest part of pitching. <laughs> but maybe, you know, you know, we don't think of, like, feet necessarily and, like, grip with your feet or, you know, obviously grip with your spikes being sort of actively involved in pitching necessarily. But clearly they are because, like, I think if you can see in the video, like, his toes are clinging to the ground, mm -hmm. um, you know, which is what I think of as, like, a very yoga kind of deal. Um, but, like, I would wonder how much, like, if they got someone who's, like, a submarine pitcher or, like, had a sidearm motion or whatever, how different that would look. Get all the pitchers naked, put them in the <laughs> desert, video them, a hundred frames a second seems, like, reasonable, right? Uh -huh. um, <laughs> I would buy that DVD. I'm yeah. just saying. They could make money off of that. Purely academic research purposes. I, you know, someone needs a dissertation in, like, exercise physiology or something. Well, I'm, I'm sure that's been done by anybody who goes into, like, sports medicine or um, physical training or whatever. Like, but, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see it as a, as a layperson, you know. Yeah, it's for, you know, for the academic integrity. For science. Yeah. For, science. Of the, for science. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, I think I feel like you could get away with that easier for science than like the previous body issues, which is like let's just rub some dirt on Bryce Harper. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we didn't really learn anything from the last one, but like I this one, maybe we'll learn some stuff. Profession you can get into where you rub dirt on Bryce Harper. <laughs> Carefully place the dirt in the artistically prime locations. I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you can also have the same profession. I, I did a quick review of the body issues of previous years for baseball players, because science. Um, you can also make, make apparently dollars by getting to paint Giancarlo Stanton gold or rubbing dirt on Jose Batista. So, you know. A lot of dirt work. and painting involved in this process, more than you think. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, I've learned a lot in that review about You've made the wrong career choices? I've made so many wrong choices. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, Giancarlo Stanton's people are like, no, you made the correct choices. Stay back. Stay back. When you said Jose Batista, I hoped for one fleeting moment you were going to say Jose Fernandez, and I was going to be really, really upset if he had done the body issue and I hadn't known about There's it. There's no way that would have happened, that he could have done that and you wouldn't have known about it. I I would have been with a megaphone on Capitol Hill, like, hey, <laughs> I know we have important issues, but come on. Um, yeah. Oh, Lord. No, his deleting his Instagram was the saddest thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, well, maybe he'll bring it back one day. Who knows? Just pour one out for all of those sweaty workout pictures. Yeah. Gone forever. Someone somewhere probably has them saved. I'm sure. I have to say. 
Yeah, and you would think from the way I talk about it, it would be me, but it isn't. So <laughs> it's cool. I'll I'll live apparently. You're kind of gonna have to. Yeah. I guess. No choice. If only they would do exactly what we tell them. <laughs> but just don't delete your Instagram pictures. Some of us have, you know, we want to know about your mechanics of bicycling. Or driving a car wearing <laughs> bike helmet. Yeah, he did that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. With, with you want to be extra safe in the car. The arm brace on, I was like, okay, you know, you're wearing a helmet and you're part robot. That's fine. I'm fine <laughs> with it. <laughs> okay, so th well, this is enough about me. Let's keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, I it 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 the next part that we were going to be doing was players and players we love of this first half of the season. So we're going to do sort of a an informal uh, mid-season review, and I mean that's certainly a player that you love this first half of the season, and also for the past several years. So it's it works. It fits in. Um, but. He's he's actually been having a pretty good hitting season. Every every I feel like every time I turn around, he's getting another hit. Although none is so funny as the time he got picked off because he wasn't paying enough attention. Um, well, didn't he just hit a pinch hit RBI double that won the game the other day? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So good job, Jose Fernandez. Ch keep challenging Bumgarner for that uh, batting title, that pitcher's <laughs> batting title. And uh, maybe maybe you could get involved in maybe he could get involved in the uh, uh, pitcher's all star home run derby, right? I, yeah, I, I still have salt in my heart for when the uh, the Braves decided to bean him for admiring his first career home run. Oh like, please! No, no, no! We can't talk about it because I can't scream for an hour solid on the podcast, yep. and it would be yes, a lot. Yes, you can. We're about um, to talk about uh, Danny Espinosa, so you clearly can scream for an hour solid. That's happy screaming. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, as of the time of this recording, unless something has just happened that I'm not paying attention to, um, Danny Espinosa first overtook Bryce Harper for most home runs in the Nationals, and then Bryce Harper got another home run to tie it back up. So they are now both tied at 17 home runs apiece. And a couple years ago, if anyone had, no one would have even thought to say, Danny Espinosa and Bryce Harper have the same number of home runs. And I would like to say ha, and also yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, in addition to the same number of home runs, what else did he do today? He hit another grand slam. <laughs> uh, so that makes two in four days, and I believe brings his career total to three. So in less than a week, he has tripled his previous, uh, his, his Grand Slam tally for his career. Yeah. Um, now, I want to say Grand Slams are really a measure of the people who were before you. Yes. Like, in terms of batting order and stuff like yeah. that. You can't hit them if nobody's on. Yeah. Um, you know. But you got to also be able to, like, do something when there's runners in scoring position. And considering how we've, the Nets have historically struggled... Um, frequently with runners in scoring position, you know, getting all of them home is always nice. So, yeah, I feel like three on, nobody out is is just historically been the Nats code for we will fail at this. <laughs> yeah, so it was. It's always nice when somebody doesn't fail at it, and uh, I mean that's okay. So let me let me try to count this out in my head without actually looking at a statistic. Seven on. Seven rubies for Danny on um, 
God, what day was that? I was there. I should remember. Was that Tuesday? <laughs> no. Um, no, it was uh, Thursday. Thursday. So seven rubies on Thursday, two home runs for those. And then he got another two-run home run last night. And then he just got four more. So that brings him to 13 uh, rubies on home runs in four games. That matches what I saw on Twitter, yeah. Yeah. That's insane. That's, I mean, that's a lot for anybody. And um, considering, considering Danny's struggles that I have uh, supported him through emotionally in the comfort of my home, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's very satisfying. Um, and I'm sure it's very satisfying for him as well. But I'll do the, the rubbing it in certain people's faces for him, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm looking up the uh the rate that he is hitting uh that he is hitting RBIs. Uh and if he continues at this pace, he will have eighty seven on the season. Ooh. I mean obviously that's not gonna happen, but that just sounds so nice. Um You know, never say never, but yeah. Uh he is right now uh on pace to have a eighty seven RBI season. So again, yeah. again, that's also a measure of, you know, who's on base before you. I, I'm sorry, I thought you said 87 home runs. So I was like, no, that's very no, unlikely no. to happen. No. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think so. 87, that could be done. No, 87 RBIs. Yeah, yeah no, that's, de no, that's definitely doable. Sorry, I thought you said 87 home runs. But I was like, that's not... Um, no, but we can, we can look up a... 34... I'm not looking at anything. I'm just trying to do math in my head based on... Uh, 32.4, so you're close. Yeah. Okay. So, That's, you know. Yeah. What's his previous season high, do you know? 21. Yeah. Yeah. That so was that in 2011 or 2012? 2011. Yeah, I think so. Because he came in, like, third for Rookie of the Year voting that year. Or he at least got some votes for it. Maybe it wasn't third, as high as third, but... Um, Sixth. Sixth. Okay. Yeah, I have his baseball reference page open. Oh, well, there you go. So, I'm just uh, doing this off the top of my head. I'm not using your fancy technologies and computers and things. I actually um, kind of like that you're not, because you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he hit 21 home runs in 2011, and I'm like, yeah, he did, because I'm looking at that, but you know it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we all at this point just want to grab his hands and go, you have such heart, and you have such hustle, <laughs> and then watch him inch slowly away from us. <laughs> Yes, he, that, I am, however, going to be making a, at least for myself, but, you know, I might make some for you guys, too, Danny Espinosa Defense Squad t-shirts, because I feel like, I feel like we've earned them at this point. I would oh. completely wear that. Yeah. Completely. yeah. I mean, bear in mind, it's going to be a t-shirt with, like, Sharpie on it, because I don't have, like, dramatic t-shirt making skills, but, you know, it'll get the point across. Yeah, I feel like we need to have uh, that T-shirt and like a DH greater than DH shirt that says "Designated Hugger" over "Designated Hitter." I like that um, idea. As well yeah. as perhaps you know branded Columbia, Maryland native Steve Lombardo's jars. Yes, so. yes, we do have to. I mean, we have to fix my mason jar with a piece of notebook paper taped to it. But it was what I could do with, in the amount of time that I had. So, um, maybe I feel I'll like. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like that's fitting, but that's okay. It is a little bit fitting, but it's got two whole dollars in it, so. Um, well, maybe, I'll, maybe I will invest in some actual stencils and paint for this project. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, 
Let's see. What else? So what else are we loving? There's lots of things that we're loving. Where uh, do we start? Yeah. <laughs> And there's definitely going to be some recency bias in this, because, like, except for a catastrophic meltdown in the 10th last night, like, winning six games in a row, and winning, like, not just winning six games in a row, but, like, winning six games in a row um, has been a lot better than losing seven. I love beating the Mets. (laughs) Can I just say? That wasn't always true. Many members of my family are Mets fans, and so I tried to be politic about it for most of last season. We're not there anymore. This is 2016. I love beating the Mets. <laughs> I have no like individual bad feelings about the Mets, but I agree that it is extremely satisfying to beat the snot out of your closest division rival. Um, right. I mean, I have nothing yeah. against any of them individually. Some of yeah. them are adorable. I wouldn't kick Curtis Granderson out of bed for eating crackers, but generally speaking, it's so satisfying. Yeah, and it definitely took the sting out of the seven-game losing streak that we did not love. Um, That one, that was pretty agonizing, but the six-game wins, and we're still, even with last night, uh, still up five games on the Mets, where we were as of last night, the last time I actually looked at the standings, so... Well, and we're up 9-0 right now uh, on the Reds, so, you know, that's a thing. Um, my hope is we get to more games where we're going to see position players pitch. Yes, that's, we always love that. Um, yeah. No Nats have done it yet this season. Sigh. Bryce apparently offered to play third after Tony got ejected. I mean, I'm, I'm completely unsurprised, but I really don't think anyone would, like, take him up on that. I think Dusty probably just kind of looked at him and went, nah. <laughs> like, because to be fair, nah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if he, like, practiced, I'm sure he would be fine at it. And he's obviously a tremendous athlete who's capable of adapting to things. But I don't, he probably hasn't played there since he was, like, eight years old, right? So. Well, he hasn't played in high school either. And yet, apparently, that's who we would have gone to in the 14-inning game when... Loby was already out and Wilson was in. Well, but also, you know, he he caught he came, he was drafted as a catcher. I mean, so that's a little different than, you know, he may not have played catcher since high school, but that was what he was doing. That was his position, as opposed True. to like I guess I'll just try it. Would be interested to see if Bryce Harper could pitch, but they probably wouldn't want to like take him out of the batting. Well, I guess you didn't have to take him out of the batting aspect of things. There might also, somebody who just pitched as a position player then immediately went on the DL with forearm tightness. I forget yeah, who that was. Uh, Goins. It was Goins. So they might be nervous, honestly, about having yeah. someone like Bryce. I, I was reading a recap of that game, and I, that was just, uh, they went to 19, three players ejected, and then the guy, the Goins went on the DL immediately afterwards. I'm like, talk about adding insult to injury or pouring salt in a wound. Um, Toronto, that's just awful. Um, but yeah, no, I, I completely agree with your point. Sorry, I went off on that a little bit. But. Oh, was that the game where the guy uh, on the Blue Jays was like, I was calmly disagreeing with the umpire, and everyone's like, you're on video. You know that, right? Like, they mm-hmm. broadcast this. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that was in the first inning. Oh, but, yeah. Or, I'm sorry, not three players, two players and the manager. Um, and uh, and Encarnacion and the manager were ejected in the first inning. Yeah. 
So politely disagreeing with the umpire. Sure. <laughs> I would I politely like... disagree with the umpire if I was rejected in the first inning. Yeah, I feel like all the personality that is missing from uh, Canadian sports just gets poured into the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, they have, they have to carry to get... it. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, they have to carry it for a country because the rest of Because, like, they have more, like, personality and energy and, like, big sort of bombastic athleticism than, like... Every other Canadian, you know, Canadian athlete combined. Yeah. Uh, Being a non-hockey fan, I don't know if I could name another Canadian athlete, but that's well, clearly me. I would guess. <laughs> go ahead. Oh no, no, no. I was just gonna say. I mean, I would wager like large sums of money on the fact that there are probably like maybe generously two actual Canadians on the Blue Jays. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, but yeah, Canadian teams just generally aren't supportive of of anyone having a personality that isn't basically wet cardboard. Um, and so it is just really interesting that they that they seem to to love. And to be fair, like the blue the Blue Jays are really fun to watch. Um, you know, when it was the their series against the Rangers, I think, or last year, and now whenever they play the Rangers, everyone's going to tune into that. Um, mm -hmm. Versus, basically, the way to think about hockey and hockey personality is imagine if everyone actually acted like the way that old dudes who say things like play the game the right way want you to act. Yeah. So, boring, and like no one can ever have any fun, and vaguely a little racist with it, and just like a whole, not even vaguely racist, yeah. openly racist, uh, about it. And then there's the Blue Jays who are like... Screw it, let's have a bat flip contest every night. Yes, and the fans, of course, love it. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of, like, Toronto area media that really doesn't, but they can suck it, you know, <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Sorry, can I go on a tangent for a second about playing the game the right way, etc.? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so bear with me, but have either of you seen the Pixar movie Cars? No. And I'm sorry, I'm never going to. <laughs> I hadn't, and I had, against my will, I ended up watching the first hour of it on a plane. And basically the premise of the movie Cars is that there is a race car named, like, Lightning or something, who essentially is everything that the media makes Bryce Harper out to be. Okay. And it was just a little bit uncanny, honestly. Like, I I need to talk to someone who's seen it, clearly, and see <laughs> if this struck anyone else, because essentially the entire premise of the movie is this character being, like, this total jerk, non-team player, doesn't care about anyone else, just wants to win, get his own personal glory, sits on small children, etc. And, like, he has this whole learning experience. I didn't see the end, but I have to assume he learns the value of true friendship and teamwork and all that crap. The real and trophy was the friendships he made along the way. Exactly. The real trophy and was the bubble wrap that he had to wrap all his trophies with. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was my tangent. That I, I think Bryce Harper would probably get a kick out of this movie. Um, oh. And I'm wondering if anyone else who has seen Cars 
agrees with me that the main character is essentially this persona that the media has created around Bryce that I don't think any of us would say is true, but it sort of hit me over the head. I'm like, oh my god, I'm watching the animated car version of media Bryce Harper. So if anyone has seen Cars, please let me know if you agree with me. The intersection of Cars fans and Nats fans. <laughs> I mean, some people have kids. I yes. hadn't seen it and then was sort of forced to. And it was just weird, honestly. So anyway, sorry. That was completely <laughs> irrelevant. But somebody validate me, please, over email or on Twitter or something. Please, someone tell me I'm not crazy. No, um, I mean, I was... I was at the game on Wednesday with um, a friend who's not a Nats fan. He's a, a Pirates fan and also an, an Oliver Perez fan. Um, <laughs> so he was very excited to get to see Oliver Perez pitch. Um, uh, th- there may have been some yelling about wiggling. Um, but like, I think the, the perception of how the fans perceive Bryce outside the DMV is very different than how we actually perceive him within the DMV. Like, you know, I was saying in terms of, like, people who are face of the franchise, you know, if you asked me who's, the who's like, the face of the Nationals, I think everyone outside the DMV would say Bryce versus within the DMV. It's like, well, Ryan Zimmerman, actually. Mm-hmm. Sort of, like... Oh, he was happy to give it up. Yeah. yeah, though he was clearly happy to give it up. But, like, also, Desi, while he was here, was mm-hmm. very much a face of the team versus, like, oh, of course it's Bryce. Of course Bryce is, you know, the face of the team and, and all of this. Um, and, you know, he was asking, I was like, no, we don't think of him, like, you know, he's he, he does play the game the right way in the sense that he's really fun to watch and he likes playing baseball and he clearly cares about if he's winning and if the team is winning. Um, and, you know, that's just sort of the perception, at least maybe, and maybe that's biased, because, like, that's how I perceive him, uh, versus outside of some kind of cartoon car show boat <laughs> villain. <laughs> villain who needs to learn the value of friendship. Is it a musical? Like, I've never seen Cars. No, thankfully, thankfully, <laughs> I don't think I, the Cars do not sing. Um, and so, like, yeah, I, th- I was just talking to him, and I was like, no, we, we really don't think of him like that. Like, I'd say on the balance, you're right that, you know, most of the stuff about what a, what a jerk he is and, you know, all that other, like, garbage, like, oh, he's just such, such a bad attitude, right? You know, the anti-Mike trap, which he is, to be fair, but not for the reasons that they're saying. Um, yeah, I think that's all coming from outside and not inside, but... You know, a lot of it, I, there I still find a shocking number of inside the DMV actual Nets fans who have this impression, and I just don't know where where they're getting it from unless they're clearly only paying attention uh, to the like the national broadcast stuff. Like so, around my office, I've become kind of known as you know the Nets fan. Um, <laughs> shocking, um, and so one of the one of the clients that I deal with. You know, he'll call me sometimes and be like, I got extra tickets to this game. Do you want to go? You, like, you want to have them? Um, and we're going to just talk about the Nats from per- periodically. And, you know, he says to me, you know, I just, I love the way Bryce Harper plays, but he's just got such a bad attitude. And I'm like, you go to get, you have a season plan that you're offering me tickets on, and you still have this impression, like, you clearly care about the Nationals. So where is it coming from? Yeah, and I, I do think it is um, some national media stuff, some just, like, if you get told that he's a jerk enough. But, like, 
you know, it, it's the it's the play of the game the right way, unwritten rules, nonsense. I'm actually pulling up. Um, did you guys see on Deadspin? Uh, I guess it was yeah, it was the it was about a month ago. Um, or no, this was this was old. Never mind. It was uh, a couple of years ago, but they republished it a little while ago. Um, it's a major league pitcher's guide to baseball's BS. Though they don't say BS. Oh, unwritten rules. Um, and it's basically like. Yeah, hitting people with baseballs should be against, you know, is and should be against the rules in baseball. Um, this idea of having fun being antithetical to what the game is about should should not be the case. Like, mm -hmm. setting a good example for kids is, you know, try real hard, not yeah. hit people when they are having fun. Um, and, but I think that that's, you know, obviously in reaction to a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this stuff does come up around many, many players that are not just Bryce Harper. Um, yeah. And, and the, like, you know, a lot of the time it's extremely racially coded. Yeah. I mean, it's not coded at all, but you know what it, you know, like, you know, no one would get, people would not get uh, quite on the, on Buster Posey for flipping as bad if they got on Jose Batista. You know what I mean? Does Buster Posey flip as bad? No, I just was picking up somebody okay. that like everybody really, really loves and hits well <laughs> and, and white. <laughs> yeah, I just that was the first name that popped into my head. Gotcha. Um, yeah. About I don't felt like I watch it that fast on a regular basis, so. Um, well, and but, I think like Mike Trout is the expectation, and I was like, they had some pictures of like Mike Trout like having fun like, messing a little bit with, uh, with, uh, Jose Altuve, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, of course, I, you know, I, I am down for that, because, you know, we need, we need very tall people to touch it. Yeah. A Jose Altuve <laughs> on the head, basically. Um, I, you know, I, I, I put in my request for, uh, a picture of Doug Fister next to Jose Altuve. Uh, they're on the same team. How does that not exist? Like, the Astros are missing out on a chance for me to, like, give them money from afar. They might um, have it for, and then we just don't know, because, uh, you know, we're not paying that close attention to Houston area news. I but. looked. I couldn't find anything. So if we have any uh, Houston area <laughs> listeners. <laughs> or people who are just really, like, dedicated to following them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there should like, be a campaign around all of baseball, by the way. The tallest with the smallest yes. on every team, please. Um, but yeah, like I was like, wow, Mike Trout, there's a personality in there. Who knew? And the answer is no, no one, because he's basically a wet cardboard of a human being. In terms of what he you know, yes. projects as his public persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he could be, you know, a, a hilarious, fun guy with a lot of personality, but, like, he keeps that, that light under a bushel. Yeah. So, um, but speaking of tall and small, uh, and getting back to delights of the past couple of, of weeks, uh, mm -hmm. Ben Revere. Yes, yes. Well, first of all, just hitting, like, gangbusters, finally. Um, finally gotten, like, in his zone. Um Last night he made some unbelievable plays that defensively that like just people were screaming. But of course the thing that we're actually uh, talking about is hitting the walk-off single and promptly getting picked up by one of the taller members of the team. <laughs> Max Scherzer threw Ben Revere over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes. And it was awesome. It was a beautiful moment. And Lucas Giolito, speaking of tall, was, yeah. like, thumping him on the ass. Yeah. What, we need to get the picture of Lucas Giolito and Ben Revere standing next to each other, because Lucas Giolito, 
I believe we have confirmed is like something like six six. Yeah. And I don't know how tall Ben Revere is, but I would wager not above five nine. Uh, yeah, and Lucas Giolito was tall enough, like, he's listed as tall enough that that's probably his actual height and not the, <clears throat> yeah, you're 6'1". No, you're not. Yeah. Um, like, above about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, I think they just stopped lying. Yeah, there's just no point. Like, you have eyes you can see. <laughs> so. Yeah, versus, let's see what Ben Revere is actually listed as. He's probably um, going to be listed as 5'11". 5'9", so he's 5'7", 5'6". He's, five, seven, five, six. He was, he's listed as 5'9"? Yeah, he's listed as 5'9". I'll have to look a little bit closer at some of the pictures I've taken of him standing next to you. Again, not lied, uh, Jason Wirth, who is 6'4", and I don't believe that that's incorrect. I think that's an accurate height measurement. So I think he comes up to roughly Jason Wirth's shoulder. Um, so maybe 5'8". He's 6'5", by the way. Jason Wirth? Yeah. Well, okay, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, Again, once you're up in that stratosphere... Yeah. Does the extra inch make that much of a difference? It does because above 6'4 is where I really have to say that they stop lying. Okay. Like, 6'3 okay. guys will become 6'4 guys. Six, like, no one's lying about being 6'5. Just like, yeah. oh, you're just very tall. Yeah. Like, um... On, on the same note, what was missed in uh, a lot of the discussions about the uh, Mac scooping up Ben Revere, immediately prior to that, first of all, we had another designated hugger moment a really excellent hug between Jason Worth, who was uh, in the on-deck circle, and Danny Espinosa, who scored the game-winning run, where you can see just how towering over <laughs> Danny Espinosa uh, Jason Worth actually is. I think it was, like, armpit level. <laughs> it was something like that. He basically tucked Danny under his chin. Yeah. It was a really good... It was a really excellent hug, too, by the way. Like, but yeah, it, my, I was like, oh, hug. Oh, God, that is a height difference. <laughs> What are you talking about? Danny is clearly six feet tall. That's what his he's listed as, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's been uh, uh, that's been going well. Ben Revere, he's finally like kind of heating up. So. Yeah, and well, G- hmm? I was just gonna say, speaking of Max, because I usually am, <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and just sort of a mid-season review. I've been watching his ERA ticking back down. Yes. Happily. So the homer's still not really under control, but somehow the ERA is going, it had spiked, um, well, it spiked in early May, actually, and then hovered right around four, sadly. Um, and it's, it's now at 3.30 as of June 29th. Okay. He was absolutely freaking dominant last Wednesday. Oh, uh, I remember. Um, yeah. But, so I just think it's interesting. I still have to do some math, so I'll, I'll do that for a future stat segment. But given that the homer rate has not changed all that much, um, it's interesting that the ERA has dropped back down a bit. I am really curious whether his walk rate and his homer rate are really at all related. Sometimes it seems like they are. Sometimes it seems like they aren't. It does seem like in the earlier part of the season, he was walking more batters in the games where he was allowing more homers. But now looking back with one outlier, it looks like the walks have come down a bit. And so I wonder whether he's still allowing the same number of homers, but if the walks have come down, nobody's on base for those homers. So I'm going to do some math on that. 
but just as a sort of mid-season point, um, he has thankfully pulled his ERA back down quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, the pitching thus far this season has been, you know, good. Like, there's no one who who's getting up there who I was like, who I'm like, this isn't going to go well. Like, Tanner, Tanner Roark has, like, apparently consistency works, and, you know, he kind of had a little bit of a meltdown on the road trip, but kind of got himself back. Everybody has a bad day. Yeah. Um, Geo is Geo. Like, if it's an even-numbered inning, you know, he's going to be crying or wailing to his hat or chewing it's on his been, own hair. It's but been like, the first for him more lately, oddly, yeah. but... Yeah, um, but, like, he, he's he been Geo. Like, he's been exactly what we expected out of Geo Gonzalez. Um, you know, and, and Joe Ross, though, apparently last night was not good to him, and he you said he looked a mess. He just didn't look like himself. I, I mean, you you know when, when pitchers are going to have a bad day, you can kind of tell they always have a bad day in the same way, such as Geo's even-numbered innings that have moved to odd-numbered inning meltdowns. Um, yeah. He just, like, when he's had bad starts before, that's not what they looked like. Um, it, it, I was just, I was sitting there, and I was like, is something wrong with him? Is something wrong with him? And people kept coming out and wasn't leaving the game, so I was like, maybe he's fine, but apparently not. He's on the DL now, so shoulder inflammation. Yeah. Um, I do want to interrupt briefly with an update that I just received on the game. Danny Espinosa is now back in the lead for uh, most home runs on the Nats, and he has now hit, again... Home runs from both sides of the plate. <laughs> so you're going to be making those shirts, like, now? Yeah, I'm going to go out to Michael's as soon as we're done. <laughs> get some, gl- like, the glitter fabric pens. Like, oh, I could get puff paint. Treat our boy right, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. So, some way to symbolize that he hits from both sides of the plate, like stripes on both shoulders with glitter. Something like that. <laughs> Well, I'll, t- I'll tally the home runs from each side on each sleeve. Yeah. Yeah, he's been, obviously, a delight this season. Max uh, getting himself together has been has been terrific this season. And then, I guess, Ben Revere. Finally, I think, getting over his oblique whatever, because um, this, this feels like Ben Revere, who they actually traded for, mm-hmm. that we're actually getting now, um, have all been, all been great surprises. And, obviously, I think the, the other one or two to mention would be... Uh, Wilson Ramos, being oh. Wilson Ramos. It's amazing what LASIK will do. LASIK, um, also not, and I'm going to knock on every piece of wood available to me in my house, um, not breaking his hamstrings. Yeah. You know, he, he had a stupid injury bug um, for a couple of the seasons, like whenever he was, you know, there and uninjured, he would play really well. But then he would go out on injury, and he's always a little bit younger than I think he is um, to be sort of this injured. Though, as we've talked about, like catch catcher growth curves and age projections are are gonna skew a little younger than than other position players. Uh, but you know, uh, hopefully, we get to see him at the All Star game. Vote Buffalo. Well, I guess it's no more voting, but... Yeah. Pray, there's, pray there's, for Buffalo. There's a good chance you might make that, like, final five voting. I don't think they've announced that list yet. Right? No, they haven't. I voted from, like, six different emails, so... You are a true hero. We're going to hope that that was enough. I did vote from the resting pitch face email. So Cheating the system. Resting pitch face. the ballot. Officially endorsing Wilson Ramos for All-Star Game. Yes. 
he's having a great season, and I've heard a couple rumors, nothing like specific, but maybe we actually might keep him next year, which would be really nice. Yeah, other than Lobi, I mean, what, what catchers do we have in the system? Uh, we've got the older Kaboom, um, okay. we've got Pedro Severino, and we actually got Jonathan Solano back, but I don't mm -hmm. think he's coming up. I mean, I just don't think that's in the cards. Um, my money would be on on the older Kaboom and uh, or uh, uh, Severino. Spencer, um, I think, is the older one. Yes, you're correct. Carter you is might want to clarify who Kaboom is. I'm sorry. Because, <laughs> like, we know who you're talking about. But yes, like... yes. Um, Kaboom. Kibo? Kaboom? Kaboom? Kaboom. Kaboom. Um, but the we have the we have the both brothers Spencer and Carter and Carter is a shortstop and was mm -hmm. just drafted in our first draft pick but we've had uh, Spencer for a while and he uh, I mean I just I don't know whether he'll be ready by next season mm -hmm. uh, to take over so I'm not saying he isn't going to be I just I, I don't know I have no way of knowing and I don't know whether um, Severino would be either so if we could keep Ramos um, it would be nice. I mean, it would just be nice to keep Ramos in general, but it would be also nice to like make sure that our little catching prospects are actually ready to do it full time. Because I don't, I don't see Lobatone as our um, our starting catcher next yeah. season. And also very important, it was uh, older Kaboom part of the uh, the Nationals minor league baking oh, yes. championship? Oh yeah, baby yes. Nash baking bros. It was it was Lucas Giolito. Nick Lee and um, Spencer Kaboom were the three ringleaders when it started. So if we're grading on baking ability alone, <laughs> clearly call him up, he's ready. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about his actual baseball skills. I just know a lot about his baking skills. There were some really delicious pictures we can do. <laughs> and uh, and uh, like on uh, and in per first person reports of the quality as well. So yes. Because they were giving it out to the media, I think. Yeah, Chelsea um, got some lemon bars at one point. Yeah. And then um, Aaron Barrett was in one of those bake-offs, and so was Brian Harper. And so we have numerous sources from multiple levels of baseball vouching for the, the quality of those baked goods. Yeah, um, yeah Lucas Giolito, I mean, obviously his call-up was somewhat marred by the, the mm -hmm. hour-long rain delay and all of that. And then the um, other hour-long rain delay. <laughs> then the other hour-long rain delay. Like, he, he seemed fine, though, I have to say. There's always, like, um, whenever you call a pitcher up, like, no one's seen his stuff, and so you don't get mm -hmm. a good sense of what he is really going to do at a major league level until you've had, you know, more than... You know, he's been through the, the batting order more than twice in a game, and mm -hmm. or he's, you know, had five five to seven starts. Like, mm -hmm. it's hard to sort of gauge because, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of video of him that, that teams can do, like, opposition research on and stuff like that. But, you know, as a baker and um, uh, human, he seems good. Like, I, I like anyone who's like, nah, we don't, we don't like gender roles. Like... Yeah. Cinnamon rolls, not gender rolls. Cinnamon rolls, like, not gender rolls. I need that on a t-shirt, too, honestly. Yeah, we should probably... Uh, well, I guess we are kind of keeping a list of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, We could have a whole line of resting pitch face t-shirts. We've had enough ideas. Yeah, true. Yeah. Small business idea? Etsy store? <laughs> <laughs> I have some my Sharpie drawings. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, Who is it that? 
So anything else that we are enjoying mid-season? Being in first place of the All-Star. <laughs> coming up on the All-Star break. I'm enjoying that <laughs> immensely. Yeah, I think that, that probably wraps it up for that. Do you want to talk about the stat of the week stuff? So one of the things that we had talked about last time, obviously with hashtag make the All-Star game fun, and... Uh, this week with uh, Madison Bumgarner being the Madison Bumgarner designated hitter, um, is uh, pitchers who can hit home runs. Um, so there's a lot made of good hitting pitchers, and there are, there are a decent number of good hitting pitchers in the league right now. Um, but the question is, like, could you actually do a home run derby with pitchers? So how frequently do pitchers hit home runs, and how, how good are they at putting one over the fence? Um, so I did a little digging. Uh, I calculated, um, well, first of all, so I, I delineated, like, we had to be talking about essentially starting pitchers, um, not just, like, a really lucky reliever. So had to have um, at least... Uh, 20 games in a season and 10 plate appearances in a season, which, you know, eliminated, you know, a, a reliever just getting lucky um, or, you know, a variety of other instances where you have a position player pitch, but then they also have, you know, a bunch of homers and that counting as them being a pitcher, even though not. Um, so uh, in terms of pitchers who can hit, uh, I looked at lefties and righties separately, um, I, and I calculated uh, home runs per plate appearance, so as a, as a rate. Um, so among lefties, uh, so there's one, one person who hit, uh, Gabe White, hit one homer in 10 plate appearances in 2000, so this is looking back to the last 20 years, um, which was also in Colorado, and the Colorado effect is something we can get into in a minute. Um, the other uh, lefty who is apparently hitting some home runs is former national Zach Duke, who, while in Arizona, hit uh, two home runs and 23 pay- plate appearances. For what it's uh, worth, I had completely forgotten about Zach Duke until the first one of these podcasts that we did, and now all of a sudden I think I've heard about him more times in the last month than I did in my entire life. I think we just keep bringing him up by like random coincidence. Yeah, well, that was shout out to Zach Duke. <laughs> yeah, that was literally like I ran the numbers and sorted a spreadsheet and went, huh, okay, fair enough. There he is uh, again. There he is again. Um, so Mike Hampton also, um, who was a pitcher in Colorado, uh, hit seven home runs uh, in 2001, um, but he was in Colorado, and so four of those were in. Colorado, uh, and this was before they started using the humi- a humidor uh, for the balls. So um, that obviously t- changes the physics of hitting a home run. Um, the elevation and the air dryness uh, out there do pretty heavily contribute to a higher rate of home runs, which is why they started keeping the balls in a humidor. Um, and after he let Colorado, he, you know, hit nine more career homers, but in nine years rather than seven in one year. Um, Madison Bumgarner is very good at hitting home runs. Um, so he hit, uh, he, he, you know, for a pitcher, um, he hit four in 2014 and five in 2015, um, though that still has pretty low rates of home run per plate appearance of 0.051 and 0.061 in 2014 and 2015. Um, so, like, it's not like he's getting one every night um, or every time he starts, 
uh, but like he he pretty good at it. Um, righties were very similar. Um, the only thing is there's a, a guy who was a position player who then became a pitcher who uh, had a bunch of career home runs, but like I feel like that's not fair. Um, and so uh, Carlos Zambrano or Zambrano uh, was a very very good uh, righty home run pitcher or home run hitting uh, righty. Um, and so his home run per plate appearance rates were actually higher. Uh, as a Cub, were higher than either of Mad Bum's. Um, I had a proposal, and I want to see what you guys think about this. Have him pitch to Mad Bum for the home run derby. <laughs> like, that would, that would well, be, you know, it would be a little bit inside baseball, but it would be real fun. I mean, that would be certainly interesting. Um, I mean, normally in the home run derby, you're not really facing a starter. Yeah. Unless so you're much as your dad. <laughs> yeah. Who pitches you like a starter? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it could be an interesting experiment. I mean, I frankly don't see how Mad Bum in the home run derby could not be fun. But I'm in favor of anything that would make it more so. Yeah. I feel like sometimes baseball tries tries for fun and then. Misses a little bit. Um, the Nationals are not good at hitting home runs. Uh, the only current National who has hit more than one home run is Gio. Um, and I have a pet theory that's because he doesn't like being on base. Um, so he's either going to hit a home run or get out. Uh, mostly because he, he looks really sweaty and uncomfortable anytime yeah. he's standing at first. Um, and he doesn't like running. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't like a lot of the things that one has to do to be a professional athlete. I'm going to say he is the only pitcher I've ever seen, I'm sure plenty of more I've seen, the only one I've seen in recent memory that transferred from the AL to the uh, NL and said, no, I'd much rather have a DH. I don't want to hit. Um, so that kind of supports your theory there. I, like, I don't even think he minds hitting. I think he really like legitimately minds being on base. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and to be fair, like in D.C. in July if you're standing at first base and you have to go out and pitch again, like, I, I get that. Um, and he, he just always seems, like, overly warm and uncomfortable. And very nervous about his abilities, I think, as well. Um, he always looks like he doesn't want to get too far away from the bag because he doesn't trust himself to get back to it or something, you know? Yeah, I can't imagine Gio Gonzalez stealing a base. There were multiple throwovers on... Noted base dealer Wilson Ramos. So you <laughs> never know. Zero. Zero career <laughs> so stolen bases. Yeah. I mean, I think they're equally likely to steal a base. So, I mean, if, if people are considering him a running threat, they might consider Gio a running threat. You know, you know? Well, just on Gio again, we did actually get some feedback on Tumblr. And she actually read our previous post about some of these pitcher home run stats and by some happenstance met Clint Robinson shortly thereafter and apparently told him that, according to our stats, we had nominated Geo to represent the Nats in a pitcher home run derby, should such a thing happen. And Clint's reaction was reportedly something like, Geo Gonzalez? <laughs> <laughs> like, to clarify that it wasn't Lucas Giolito or another yet unknown Geo right. we, we could possibly mean. <laughs> 
So Clint Robinson personally apparently does not think that Gio Gonzalez is a good candidate for pitcher home run derby. But you know the numbers don't lie. He's the only Nats pitcher with with more than one home runs. Yeah. So statistically speaking, he would be the best representative of, of the Nats in a pitcher home run derby. So thank you for your feedback, Clint Robinson. <laughs> have duly noted it. <laughs> To be fair, I mean, by the numbers, Clint is a better pitcher than almost all of them because he has an ERA of zero. Well, he apparently was taunting Max with that recently. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. there I think was I saw quote. the article. Yeah. yeah, I think it was in the post. Um, he was he was making fun of Max. Well, do you have a zero ERA in the majors, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so thanks thanks for being entertaining, Clint Robinson. You're you're a good egg. You're a good egg, Clint Robbins. Once again, another t-shirt option that we have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Gio is the only one who could conceivably do the home run derby, uh, unless Lucas Giolito can real, really hit and we just don't know. Um, you know. I mean, I'm sure Max would want to do it, but his numbers don't back him up, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he did come over from the AL, and and seems to him like most pitchers who come over from the AL like actually embrace it. And Gio's like, nah, it's this sweaty. Mm -hmm. I have to run. It's terrible. Like <laughs> people are throwing things at me. Like this is the worst. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm projecting a little bit about, uh, on Gio for my own feelings about running or sweating or having people throw things at me. He has, <laughs> however. At some point, owned a T-shirt because I've seen the pictorial evidence that just says "running sucks." <laughs> so <laughs> you, you may not be far wrong. Wasn't Max also dragging him out on runs against as well at some point last season? Yeah, it was during spring training. I think started during spring training. That's a beautiful mental image. <laughs> hey, uh, you know I vote for them as a wheelbarrow race team. That's which what the All Star Game needs. Which? which <laughs> Who's which part of the wheelbarrow race? Uh, I, I, it would be funnier if Max were the wheelbarrow part. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be happier about it, too. I can't imagine Gio tolerating that. Being the wheelbarrow? Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, like, him and, uh, yeah, Max and, uh, it, it, and Gio versus uh, Ben Revere and Giolito. <laughs> Just let's do this. Well, speaking I'm, of, of um, all-star game festivities that we've been uh, suggesting for the last couple of weeks now, one of my roommates actually had a couple of ideas after she heard our last podcast. Um, she thinks that we should have contests and who can do the most squats among catchers and then also between catchers and position players, mostly so the catchers can kick the position players' asses and laugh about it. Um, so, she also suggested something involving players' pets and possibly how well their dogs can catch and retrieve things. I asked if she was going to want to include cats. <laughs> we didn't think that would work very well, but we thought it might be fun. Depends on what you're throwing when it's a cat. True, and if there's catnip involved. <laughs> I think there should be like a subcontest of whose pet most looks like them. Well, that's that's easy though. I mean, oh, Max. okay, Max. <laughs> but I do I do approve of the way we've come full circle here. Um, <laughs> what we're saying is dogs, pro 
cats, also pro. Mm-hmm. That, and, and somebody's got a rabbit. No, nobody's got a rabbit. Does anybody have a rabbit or, like, a lizard? Well, that Mad would Bum, be an interesting one. Madbum released the rabbit back into the wild after nursing it back to health. So. <sighs> Missed opportunities. Somebody's got to have, like, an iguana, though, right? <laughs> I was going to say, somebody's got to have a weird pet. Okay, homework for next time. Yeah. All of us. We have uh, to look into it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're going to put the, the dude with the turtle in the pet calendar. Which they should. I was actually very disappointed with last year's pet calendar. It was all dogs. I was. I mean, I love dogs, but I, I like to see everybody's other pets. I was disappointed because it had that weird picture of Aaron Barrett that was, like, shot through, like, a lens with a Vaseline on it or something. <laughs> it, was a, it was definitely a draw me like one of your French girls moment, and I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> Well, there's also, the pictures of Bryce are so bad, and that's July, so I'm looking at that right now. I mean, I we know. know there were cute pictures of Bryce because they posted them on Twitter. Why didn't they use any of the good pictures of Bryce for the actual calendar? I don't know who picked those, who selected. I, I mean, because that, that, it was well, not only Bryce that fell victim to that. There were some really cute pictures of Geo and Stitch, and then they didn't use them, and they used really boring... if borderline, like, awkward pictures instead. So Yeah, I mean, actually, speaking of people who look like their pets, Gio looks like his dog. <laughs> it's the constant grin. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Gio has the soul of a French bulldog, which is running? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think, yeah, Ma- Max probably wins for the most looking like his pet because, you know, of the eyes, but I feel well, like... they're Gio... doing it on purpose. That's cheating. True. G- yeah. Geo just got a, a dog with his same soul. So, all right. Um, do we want to wrap it up? So, as many of you probably know, the Nationals are very pro-summer reading. There have been various posters of various players over the years promoting summer reading. And in the spirit of that, we at Resting Pitch Face are also encouraging summer reading. So, we have a suggestion of for a book that you all are welcome to read with us that we're actually going to discuss in the next episode. And that book is going to be The Grind by somebody help me out here with his last name, Barry Sverluga, I'm almost positive. Sverluga, all right. Should have looked that up, my bad. Barry Sverluga, so we're guessing. But um, The Grind is a really great book about the Nationals. It's a pretty quick read. And we're going to talk about it on the next episode. So if anybody wants to read that along with us and has any comments, questions, suggestions for what they want us to talk about, we can do a little book club. Um, So if anybody wants to give that a read and then tell us what they think, we're going to talk about that on the next episode. Happy summer reading, everybody. And with that, I think we're getting ready to uh, wrap it all up for this episode. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and now iTunes, as well as email us directly at restingpitchface at gmail. Twitter is restinpitchface, with no G. The Tumblr is restingpitchfacepodcast. And iTunes, if you just search restingpitchface, pitchface, all one word on the iTunes, um, that should help you find it. And then I guess the last thing would be... uh... Daniel Murphy? (laughs) Yes. What was the monthly total for June? Right, so the June monthly total for Jen Rubenstein's hashtag queer fancy stats 
for anybody who missed out on that, we're donating money to DC area LGBT plus organizations in honor of Daniel Murphy's batting statistics. And so the June donation total was $38.01. And that went to Capital Pride, which obviously is the organization that runs the DC Pride Festival, but they also do events year-round, some community type stuff. So they're a really great organization. It's, it's a really important part of the DC LGBT community. Um, so that was the June donation. And then looking forward to July, the next organization for donations will be SMILE, S-M-Y-A-L. That's the Sexual Minority Youth Assistance League. And it will be the DC area chapter of that. Um, and that will be the July donation. So if anybody has any questions, um, we're happy to talk about that. Or check out Jen Rubenstein's Queer Fancy Stats on Twitter for more information. Okay, well, I think that just about wraps it up for all of us here at Resting Pitch Face. As always, I'm Kay. I'm Laura. I'm Sydney. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Please come back, Tyler. It's just not the same since you went away. We really miss your eyewear. And the way you confused that is at the plate. There's a C for you right next to Drew, and we need you to pitch the A. Besides, there's no other team uses chocolate sauce to celebrate.